Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? All right. In terms of documentation, we're here once again and uh, we left off um, in a dream. And today I want to begin in a dream. And just for the sake of documenting where the progress is, because we're doing um, we're doing a fairly good job of keeping up every week and um, checking in on where we're at. I did wake up in a dream. This was six thirteen. I woke up in the dream for the first time. I have the original event, which gave me a lot of questions about dreams, about nighttime, about what was happening. Those questions led me to a lot of the spiritual uh, path that we talk about, a lot of the uh, mechanical spiritualism that we're trying to investigate. I knew something was there. Um, I stayed devoted. I've been... I think obsessed is a pretty good word. I've been obsessed for over a year now. So I think it was May that it was the original um, wake up. And it took me all the way to June 13th of the next year. So over a year to actually get to the point where um, I found myself in a dream and became completely conscious in the dream. Um. In terms of what was effective, um, there was numbers. There was, I was in a room. There was um, numbers on doors. And it surrounded me. So I kept turning around, I think, to my left and just checking the numbers, checking the numbers. And then I realized, like, I've been turning around. You know, obviously, in a room, there's only four sides. I felt like I turned a little too much. or, And as I came back to the numbers, I realized the numbers were not consistent and the numbers were lying to me and that's how it hit me the numbers are lying and that's when uh, complete consciousness came um, right at that moment uh, immediately I did a rela- reality check the one that I've been doing just because I'm 47 years old and jumping is just it's rough it's rough on my feet rough on my knees um, I push my two fingers through my palm and immediately I went to that. And the sensation was like, I was pitching a tent, like in, in my palm It's like, it was like rubbery and my fingers didn't go through, but it really stretched the hand that I was pushing. And I was like, okay, clearly I'm in a dream. Um, it did not last very long. It was over very, very quickly. Um, I started immediately kind of shouting orders um i was trying to find luke we have a uh, plan for this already and i said take me to the construct but i think one of the things i messed up is i closed my eyes like like it was gonna work like i dream of genie you know like when she closes her eyes and makes something happen in front of her like close her eyes real hard and I don't think that's correct because messing with your eyes, I think you should be way more um, just focused on what's in front of you. Or if you're going to close your eyes, keep them closed. But that opening and shutting of them, it didn't seem to um, work real well. I don't know where I got that idea from because I haven't heard of it. Um, but when I opened my eyes again, I was in my room. But just like with the sound, and we've talked about this where the sound when it translates from 5D to 3D. So like in the dream, like maybe you have like a nuclear warning siren that's going off, but in the 3D, you're like, oh, that's just my alarm. But the sound changes its purpose and you're relating to it in different ways. The same way it was with my eyes. So the 5D, I opened my eyes and then it shifted. And finally, when I got in the 3D, oh, I was looking at my room the whole time, but it just looked different. When I was shouting orders, 
that's another thing I might have to become a little bit more calm about in those moments where I find myself lucid because I think I was being too loud. I said, take me to the construct. And I also said, show me. And I, I think I repeated, show me, show me. And the problem is, I think I was talking in the 3D and it was enough to wake my wife up who then grabbed my arm, which then brought me all the way back to the 3D. So I'm going to have to remain more calm. There was definitely a lot of mistakes made, but that's the way this goes. I don't, I don't mean as if um, it's a learning process, but it's official. I popped out. Exciting stuff. I think the first thing I asked you was how real did it feel? Feel is one of the things that I was um, so enthralled with was how is it possible that this is more real than the 3D? And then as far as faith goes, faith becomes just this like thing that's just a part of you even even like you know to to death you understand by experience that you're multi-dimensional and when you experience that and know that through and through it's like faith is another it's another level i mean it just is this insane thing that you know that you know and we're talking about you know waking up in the subconscious 5d you know what you would label as like the hell realms and how we ascend from there you know going down to go up it lays out experientially like this path to mystical that is in infinity and and it it never ends and and once you see that for the first time you understand like you know versus like eternal life and and what's that what that means and you know from a 3d glass you know growing up as a kid you're like a eternal life you're in this happy place and you're just sitting there forever or or whatnot or whatever image in your head you may have which actually is it's step one i don't think there's anything wrong with that thought process but the involvement of having experiences here strengthens something in you here to to then leave this place presently um with all the experiences that you've you've gained here so yeah that's pretty awesome you, you text me that morning and said <clears throat> it happened and i was like oh shit no and uh, the longevity too like this is to say like there's ups and downs or you know in in the spiritual path there's it's not like you're waking up like banging your head in frustration or anything it's just it, the eagerness is always there um you do have a lot of wonder like how how long is this going to take you know uh, I feel disciplined. I feel like on it. I, uh, things are happening in my dreams that should wake me up, but they're not. I mean, Kane and I have gone through countless times of those and, you know, and then having the experience and then there being a long gap, um, you know, that can lead to wonder. But a, a lot of the groups and a lot of the mentors that we have, um, so I think it's good to be a part of a group or have some kind of partner or uh, someone that you talk to, or maybe someone who has progressed a little further. Um, I think that's true mentorship uh, other than, you know, putting someone on a pedestal, you've got to have that person who's experienced it a little more to kind of help you on the path to give you some um, tidbits of information just to, stay but um honestly it's the experience once again it's the experience i mean having that experience it's now you know it's possible um we both know it's possible we both know it's possible to um just continue 
uh, down this road and keep experiencing more. Yeah. And in terms of how real does it feel? I mean, that, that's definitely something to, to examine because yeah, I mean, it, it plays a lot into the teachings. So if you, if you are in the Gnostic teachings, or if you're listening to Osho and, um, there's, there's always a lot of stuff being talked about in terms of transmutation and I, I think it's a very difficult um, subject to comprehend but one of the things one of the first things that comes clear is like I'm in a body like it it is a body but it's not matter the way that we understand matter but my, I, I am housed in a body like it, it's it's following the rules of what I understand is a body. And then that body is made of something. And like when you investigate it, I mean, there, there's some kind of creative force behind it. And that sensation of being in a different body is, is very, very real. And I think one of the things to imagine with the realness is we've kind of touched on this a couple of times, but you have the idea of truth. But that's not a static idea. Like truth grows within you. You get more of it as you go. And then like when we're in the 3D, we're on the path and we're, When we're practicing, when we're devoted, you're constantly in analyzation of the thoughts. I, analyzation is a bad word. You're all in awareness of the thoughts. And you're trying to understand, oh, these are the hypnotic forces behind my personality and my persona. I just need to be more and more aware of them. Then you go flip to this other body. And from there you realize everything is reacting at the speed of your thought. So you, the reason I think it feels so real is because you take a step up in truth. There's no masking like we do in the 3D. In the 3D, it has to work through your system. It, it's a hypnotizing process. You get lost in it. But in the 5D, it's like the snap of a finger. The thought is translated into reality. And now you're seeing for the first time the power of our manifestations. And that's a higher truth than what you get in the 3D, which lends to this idea where I think you hear lots of people say this, how it feels even more real. And I think that that's correct. It does feel more real. Yeah. Yeah, you got me there on the on it's it's always always good to go into the the thought process of the 3D just you know the Buddha quote life is suffering and you know taking that as a a negative is maybe something I did years ago like while well, you know this is this is, you know, going to be brutal to, to stick on this path. Um, but I think having more knowledge about what that line means, it's exactly what you said. We're in a 3D body and we're multidimensional cells. So we, once you experience that, you understand that you're limitless literally limitless you can go anywhere in the universe outside of this body and here in this shell you know it's twofold you got long suffering for someone who's on the spiritual path and then you have suffering for people who are lost in that thought stream and that's your definition of being asleep so 
I think you hit the nail on the head when you look at the core root of all the issues and problems for someone that's suffering here is one, a lack of understanding of who they are. And then two, not being able to get out of the thought stream creates a person that is not you. So that's separation. So before this started, we were talking about hypnosis and, and being in a trance and just even down to me, you know, I've noticed, you know, I hear a song and then, you know, you get out of your truck or you leave that room and all of a sudden that song is playing in your head and you think it's harmless. And in a way it is harmless. I'm not saying it's, um, but five minutes later, realizing that your a song is stuck in your head is like, Oh, so yeah, I was suggestible. Something jumped into my head. I was, I was, I wasn't present for that time. How could I be present? Because so now multiply, that's me still having those types of situations. Now multiply that by someone who has never been introduced to the truth or ever let in any kind of meditation or let it just like you said before, that shapes your personality. And you're now a person that is like this manifested energy of thoughts, which thoughts is not divinity like there's some type of leeching energy behind them there's some type of force behind those as well so you can see how entities get created by those energy fields so the first time someone starts to meditate they start you know taking the energy to the toes to the calves to the legs and then you start slowing and it's like, oh, you start coming out. That's for me, that was a suffering in the beginning um, was realizing that I wasn't that, which is like in general, um, a massive ego, but many egos making up that massive ego. This is just an energy field. And I think when you experience what you experience for the whole time, it's like, oh, I'm really truly not all these things and once you have that experience it it becomes like a long suffering path which is peaceful and joyful you know and filled with wonderment and all the things that you know is coming so long suffering is is just part of the spiritual path yeah and that what that does is is it makes finding the lie a very wonderful spiritual experience once you know what you're looking for like we talked about one last week where you know there was anger and anger was linked to like a feeling of hurt and then when you examine the feeling of hurt you're like it's not even there the feeling of hurt isn't even there i had another one recently where there was exertion and I'm, I'm complaining about my exertion. This is in a dream complaining about, about my exertion. And it finally hits me. Like I'm not even actually feeling the exertion. I'm just complaining about the exertion. And then in the dream, you can see it. Like when you make that switch, like, wait, there, the exertion that I'm complaining about doesn't even exist. As soon as that happens in the dream world, it flips to adventure and exhilaration. It flips to take you to something much, much better as soon as you let go of your own complaining. And then once you're, once you're on to that truth, at that point, you're just looking for all the ways that you're lying to yourself. And when you find another one, then, you know, it's a score. It's the same way if you go back to the beginning of my awakening where I thought I was trying to not be angry. I thought I was putting all of my analytical know-how process into not being angry. Everything I was doing was trying not to be angry. I'm trying not to be angry, not to be angry, not to be angry. And everything I was doing was actually a lie that was 
pushing me forward into the process of anger. And but as soon as you start to understand that it's you and and it's the lies, that's when you can start moving past it. And that's one of the wonderful things about the dream yoga because you can watch it switch like on a dime. And you don't even have to be lucid. I think I'm starting to understand now like there's judgments of lucidity. Um, so I I don't really feel comfortable speaking to that, but you can you can look back you know on your dream journal and you can see, oh, as soon as I dropped the complaining of exertion, it flipped into adventure and exhilaration. We do this. We we lied, we chain ourselves to these experiences and we're doing them based on a lie. <clears throat> which has <clears throat> which has some type of creative force behind it. So like they gain steam and they take ownership and they you know start start to drive that's what the hypnotic force is all about it starts to drive just as though you can awaken someone you can snap your fingers and send someone down a hypnotic trance as well so it's it's what that does to the energy in your body when you see those lies and and you manifest them i mean it's 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 really as simple on on the path as far as not really directional but uh i don't have a better word to describe it but it it really is literally you know which direction are you manifesting correctly and if you catch yourself realizing it and letting it go quickly um is 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 the way but i've been listening to eckhart tolle uh i want can i hold don't forget the eckhart tolle but just to chime in on that everybody is on the path whether you know it or not you're on the path good point that that's that's the whole so what we are is very very powerful beings of manifestation so where yeah. do these where do these manifested entities come from and it's because we believe like we always talk about belief religion talks about belief belief is working against us because we believe we're it there's been many many times where it's complaining or it's anger i believe that's me I put all that power of creative force and belief behind it. I believe that's me. I'm doing that. And what's what's behind that belief is much more divine force than we understand. And it actually creates it actually creates. And then what you've created, you're stuck with what you've what you've created i mean uh, many times the way the world's working right now is coming back to bite everybody basically what you're saying is karmic law is inevitable yes yeah the the karmic law is like there's no explanation other than what you just said what you create what you manifest it has a karmic law because you created that energy correct so you right if you don't understand your power you're going to do a lot of things in life you're going to create a lot of things you might create a lot of havoc you might create a lot of harm right you create you're creating something and the karmic law is not i mean you talk about like you know the punishment of god from the throne is definitely not like that it's it's divinity god is inside you and you're using that in in a negative way and you're creating and manifesting as though you're a hand and arm of god divinity and you're contributing that to the universe 
that is your ownership, but also intertwined with, with divinity. So that has a karmic play out. Yeah. That's just a law. Yeah. And then you, you can really get caught because what you'll end up doing, especially like once you get to like fatherhood and once you get to like midlife and like once you start to get good at life and get a little bit more confident in life, what you're doing is you're creating just as much of an obstacle as you're as you're ready to overcome. So you create it and you overcome it. You get more pride. You create it, you overcome it, you get more pride. You're just dancing with yourself. You're creating all these things and then you're like high-fiving yourself because you you get over it. And, and you just keep building more and more identity through that process of creating little things that I know how to overcome. And you get more and more confident as you get older. And then you can see how people just slide past that midlife and start working into the twilight and you you can see how that process becomes very very hypnotic because you start to feed off of your interactions with these entities that you're creating you're starting to build on the other end these prideful relationships with your control over your emotions and you don't realize that on the back end, you're actually like, it's almost like a double manifestation. Now you're manifesting on top of that, like this prideful ability to, to handle all these situations. And that's where you can, you can literally see like the fractal nature of it. Like I had to separate myself from these emotions to gain the control of the emotions. And then it just keeps dividing. It just keeps dividing, keeps dividing. And you'll just divide any way you have to. And then you'll find new little fun spots. Oh, this is a fun one to be in. Look, I get perturbed about that, but I'm I'm really good. I can I can bounce myself out of that frustration. Oh, look at that. I did great. That only frustrated me for 10 minutes. I'm the man. <laughs> yeah, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I hadn't listened to him in a while, and I think you sent something to me, and that spawned me listening to him for the last couple of days because it's been so refreshing, refreshing on on a podcast type format, especially the the questions. Yeah, I love seeing truth through a question. Um, so if, if, if it's someone who's asleep and wants to wake up or someone on the path who wants to further their path, um, the question is for everyone. Like the question is the uh, Eckhart Tolle can answer the question, but the reason why it doesn't make him an intellectual smart guy is because he's not, first of all, he's not trying to be right. And this, the second thing is the, the, person who asked the question already knows the answer he's just reminding them and that's what a, right. a spiritual teacher mentor whatever you want to call it does like if the test of like hey, is this this some cult leader or is this some figure you you can see ego you can see people who want to be right you can see people are puffing their chest out it's the question comes that it, the the question for the person that is going to answer it, they both get the same thing. They 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 get the same thing. They get the same energy. They get the same um, answer. So it's a completely different process from like intellectual question and answering. But it's re- it always like you know, illuminates my day when I hear those types of interactions, because, um, the, like the question is not one sided. It's not someone over here who's smarter than this person over here. And they ask a question and say, Oh, you know, so much more. Eckhart Tolle only knows more possibly by observing it because he's staying true to presence more than the person who's asking the question. But when the 
correct question is asked, then Eckhart Tolle gets more truth in it as well. Because that kind of wakes him up in a sense, and he knows through what's within. And then when you see the questioner understand that they already knew the answer to that question, then it becomes a beautiful thing. But a lot of the questions lately that I've been hearing, which I thought were interesting, is that when people first start to meditate and they're they're all in and they want to, you know, kind of pull back from the hypnotic force of life, that they're having trouble engaging with um, conversation. I guess you would call it small talk and maybe a family atmosphere or a friend atmosphere where yeah. you, and, and they basically, especially in the beginning, like in the beginning, it's like, you're like, uh, you just really have no interest for those conversations. Now I've come to realize with a few pointers over the years that, you know, engaging with presence is, is, acquired almost like how how do you engage um in like a small talk conversation or any conversation really but still maintain presence for me it i i can do that but i'm still relatively quiet like i don't ever i always have the best like um comeback for for small talk, but I know you can relate to it too, but it was, the question was, how do you engage? So it does, doesn't appear that you're not engaged. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause there's a lot, the way that everything synchronizes with us. I feel like there's been a lot of conversation about this. I mean, I've heard it from Osho. I mean, Gene Hart, I think his last video was, talking about a lot like how do you bounce from the observer like back into the situation and uh, I think it's a great question I think um, it's really kind of what we were talking about opening up with it's just like a real patient process and if you can kind of just pinpoint the spot where you just kind of decide like, okay, I'm just going to enter into this conversation about politics and, and you just enter and you just go with, you know, what you're feeling and what you need to talk about. And then once you're done with the conversation, like just realize like that, did, did I have any moments of coming back to myself or as soon as I started, did I just lose myself totally? And then Whatever the answer to that is, try to insert yourself into presence more and more through those conversations. It's weird because I think it's very like when you're when you have discipline and 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 you're devoted to some kind of daily spiritual interaction, mostly what I'm talking about is meditation. Um, you you can kind of see like I was trying to explain a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm meditating, I'm meditating and I feel like I'm, you, you know, in retrospection, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm making progress and doing it well, but like at the snap of a finger, as soon as the mind's eye switch, I'll fall and I'll forget that I'm meditating. And, but, and the whole, my whole point at the time was I'm meditating for an hour and I can watch this happen six times. And so it can be a little bit frustrating, but then you realize like, oh, my job is just to understand and watch this happen over and over again until I get a better handle of it. But that's the same thing that's happening in that conversation. You enter the conversation, you go into it with the will that I want to remain present, but you don't necessarily get to just manifest that. They could say something like, um, you know, I'm fine with men being women or something like that, that like completely triggers you. And the next thing you know, you're in a space where you're not even going to realize it until you look back like, oh, I was gone there for 10 minutes. So the whole thing is just a constant effort 
and then an honest assessment of what just happened. I think that's the whole process. And then take it easy on yourself because, I mean, you're not going to be Buddha right away. So for those of you who don't know, Kane and I are going to see each other physically <laughs> in about a week. Uh, ever since Kane's awakening, um, obviously we he lives up north, I live down south. So we've never, it, everything's been technology um, over the phone. Even Kane's awakening, that was, you know, we were talking on the phone. So this is like a monumental moment coming up. We got a couple of days at the beach where both our families are going to be there and we're going to meet in person for the first time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I don't know in term. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just going in with no expectations, but I mean, there are, some questions like with the energy in terms of like there's sporadic times where I can feel my energy going off. I know you probably have even more of that happening than I do. And so it it does kind of beg the question, like what happens with (laughs) two people that are feeling that energy? What, what kind of spot can they make in time and space? Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of I don't knows, um, but we're we're fixing to find out, I guess. Yeah. No, we're excited. The whole family's excited. It's gonna be uh, gonna be a good time. It's hard to believe I haven't seen you since uh, since then, but that's the nature of our uh, distant relationship. It certainly doesn't feel like that because we do a a podcast. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah. It's just the it, physical nature of it, which is going to be different. Yeah, but we've both, we've talked about like, even on the phone and stuff, like sometimes it's exactly what you're talking about with Eckhart. So there's, and, and we've gone over it with us, I mean, so many times, like our, um, the nature of our relationship being, strictly business and uh we mean that in like a a very mechanical spiritual sense um and the same thing you were trying to talk about with Eckhart like with the question and with somebody else and with us we're not even necessarily like asking questions but we're just probing back and forth and the whole idea is to spur more and more consciousness and every once in a while you like you know you get it going in that direction and there's physical, tangible reactions that you can be aware of in the body. And it does seem like, um, and so that's just on the phone. That's just, you know, through the technology. It does seem like, you know, proximity wise, if it was, you know, live with Eckhart Tolle and he's right in front of you or, you know, live with OSHA and he's right in front of you that it does seem like something tangible is possible there. I don't know why this is coming up, but I was, I was at the beach one day and this guy had to be just naturally conscious and awake. But this couple, he was, I think this was in St. Augustine as well, or near St. Augustine, this couple, um, they were super nice. I mean, super nice. This guy had like a Ferrari parked out front and he had a condo at the beach, but you know, the Ferrari didn't match him as a person. Um, like something wasn't adding up. You know, this guy owned all these restaurants and he was living in a condo on the beach and they were just like really cool people. But he was, um, the whole time he was like, you know, he surfed and paddleboarded and he said, Hey, if you want me to teach you, I'll, I'll show you. 
Um, and uh, time permitting, I, you know, the family was there. I never got a chance to, but he went out at maybe five, six o'clock, you know, it was probably three or four hours of daylight and I'm sitting where I can see the beach. I'm sitting on the porch and he gets on the paddle board and he paddles past the waves and he gets up and he starts, I'm looking at him straight on. So I'm looking at his backside. He just starts paddling on his feet. Right. And I think, well, he's going to go past the wave line, do a few strokes and you know, he's getting some exercise. I watched this guy paddleboard until I could not physically see him on a straight line into the center of the ocean. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I kept watching him like, yeah, he was getting this small and this small and this small and this small. And I was like, dude, that's like, it's got to be miles for, for me to not even see this guy. And then I couldn't see him and for, for a while. And then, you know, a couple hours passed by and he comes back right before dark and uh, he walked by. I'm like, dude, that was pretty amazing. I know that's a pretty simple task of just paddle boarding, but I, and I asked him, you know, he does it often. I said, have you ever seen a shark or anything? Because in that particular area, like Jacksonville, Savannah, that area, like they do track great whites, like, and, and that's, that's a known area for that type of activity. He said, he's yeah. never seen anything. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I was yeah. floored. I guess the moral of that story is that like the guy had something special that, you know, I, I have no idea about a spiritual path, but I was, uh, I was, I was, I was pretty fascinated back then of that. Yeah, it's, I do like the ocean. I like, um, there's something automatically spiritual about the ocean. I think that, um, I know like one of my mind's eye, um, processes is I can, I can really picture myself standing just with my feet on the shore and it's a real tactile sense because the way the waves kind of like start to bury your feet in the sand like it's a very grounding sensation i can put myself back there um there's something about standing there and looking out on the horizon that kind of forces um presence there's there's a very tangible sense of your own insignificance when you're looking out on the water there. Um, yeah, it's a good place to meet up. I mean, it definitely, I mean, we obviously have a lot of history um, on the beach, but it's a good place to meet up. I think it's a place that for the most part forces a lot of presence. Is there anything specifically that you've been thinking about trying that we can only do face to face. Yeah, there's, I would like to see if like with the manipulation of the energy, um, is there, um, is there stuff that we can do back and forth? I mean, not even necessarily that would take any kind of practice, but, um, like the way the hairs stand up on your arm, can we get that going back and forth? Um, or is, does it just rise in the two of us? I mean, I w want to see a bunch of experiments with that. There's definitely experiments with the aura. Like, I don't know. Um, like there is an energy field around us. I mean, and I've researched enough of it to where I think I understand what the boundaries are. Is there, is there any way we can feel that and, I mean, I've seen videos where supposedly you can find the edge of it. And when you push on it, there's like a physical response. So there's a lot of ways, like the way the energy is connected to the 3D of the body. So if you think of like your body's matter, 
the matter is energy. Like we understand that E equals MC squared. But then the, the edge of the body is not necessarily the physical edge of the body. Like it goes out further and it's not perceivable in the 3D. But it might be somewhat perceivable, not necessarily with our eyes, but with um, with touch and trying to figure out like the boundaries of that. But I've seen lots of investigation on that that I think is kind of interesting. Trying to find the edge of the aura. Yeah. Yeah, just the last couple of days I've been thinking about... Uh, just any experiences we can have. We've also talked about, by the way, we're meeting in like the number one haunted city. In, yeah. In places haunted. St. Augustine. Um, but yeah, should be interesting for real. I'm trying to think. I do have other, ex- other experiments. I mean, a lot of it will be, can we hang out and not be completely crazy? Because <laughs> We'll be there with our, so I'm trying to think of like experiments that we can do that um, are kind of under the radar. But one of them I came up with is under the radar. (laughs) uh, One of them is um, like depending, depending on what happens, like, well, there'll be lots of family there. So let's say somebody is, um, you know, reacting to something or getting perturbed or complaining about something, um, paying attention to that and then figure out a target like, okay, maybe it's Logan and Logan is, um, you know, she's 13, she's forgiven already, but maybe she's worked up about something. What happens if, you know, she's off and she's coming back to us? What happens if we both just sit there and like bless the water with all of our strength <laughs> yeah, and then give her the glass of water when she arrives. Like, is there any way that like you would see like a noticeable snap, you know, out of, out of the entity and into consciousness? Like, does she look up and say, Oh, look, the ocean's so beautiful. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kids are so innocent. They almost, uh, things almost like run their courses and yeah and they just with your presence alone they come back kind of yeah but i am interested like what happens if we both like bless the water and like pass it over on the table what happens (laughs) you're you're bringing the holy water that's it's so on the down low and nobody would know we're doing it it's gonna be flicking the holy water it's gonna be (laughs) blessing it from afar (laughs) you could take a sip sip and just be like i see the light (laughs) you know (laughs) that's funny i mean yeah i don't know how much um both are, I mean, at my age, you know, St. Augustine is um, attractive. The beach is attractive. So I guess we'll just split it 50-50 as far as some interesting t- things to discover um, there, but also at the beach. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there's it, the haunting stuff is interesting. There is many, many haunted tours um, from me reading the description like i don't know that necessarily what we're looking for is you know to take a walk with a bunch of people while somebody tells ghost stories as like a tour guide um i think it would be way more effective if we could kind of i don't i don't think it requires like even unnecessarily understanding the right spots but just slow moving and then paying attention to the intuition when we know we're in certain areas and um, I don't, I don't know what to expect. I don't have any expectations, but um, 
Yeah, it is interesting was you know, how you could possibly interact with the environment under those conditions. Um, just as, you know, in on an experimental level, like I, I don't know necessarily what, <clears throat> what it does or, or, I mean, the idea would be if there's trapped consciousness that, I mean, maybe you wouldn't even necessarily be aware of it, that there's little fractal, you know, trapped consciousness that's being dissipated through the process of awareness. I mean, I think that's the ultimate idea of, you know, exorcism in terms of exorcism on location. Um, but you, you might not even necessarily be, it, it might not be something that you even get feedback on. And that, that would really kind of make sense to me. Cause if you talk about like Eckhart Tolle and like when he's, when he's mentioning like his interactions with like certain places and stuff, it's, it's not really like this, you know, spiritual firework thing that happens. It's just, he moves through an area and, and the wake behind him is just clean. But from his point of view, I don't know that he's having like all these interactions. It's just, he's moving and there's this light wake behind him. <clears throat> and he does, I mean, he does, he talks about it aggravating certain people. He talks about it. Um, he talks about some people acknowledging it and, and questioning him on it. So, I mean, there's, there's interactions in the 3d that he can talk about and stuff. And I have seen that, like there, there are weird interactions that start happening in the 3d. I, somebody that's, um, maybe already a little bit on the edge. Like you can just watch somebody like spontaneously get very aggravated. Like I have seen that before. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the aggravation level is like totally out of the blue. It doesn't make any sense unless somebody was just off their medication that day. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. I think there's two different things going on there. You know, exorcisms in the movies are made. It seem like you just have someone who represents God better. And they bring this person who, basically it's helpless and they cast out the demon, you know, it's, and it's portrayed in like, you know, the movie scene is, you know, the way movies do. Um, but just talking with Eckhart Tolle and, and, you know, spiritual teachers or mentors, it's my understanding that a legitimate type exorcism awakening can only happen. Not so there's two things like someone can be in anger and they can be in the entity and you can hear that in them, but you, there also is a correct question and that's like a hand holding out. So it's some type of free will law. And even like in the Gnostic teachings, they say that some people need help on the 3D awakening because of the hold that it has on some people. But if you listen closely, you can hear entity and hear that they need help, that, that they can't get it out themselves. On the contrary, what you're talking about when you talk about free will I I've never seen this, but I, I don't think you can go to someone who's not actually asking the right question or you see entity and it, it can be aggravating or perturbing and you see something rustle up. But if the, the owner is not holding out that hand or asking the right question, I don't think it happens. You just see aggravation on a level. You see entity, but you don't see entity that's like ready. You just see ownership entity that wants to continue to, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, Osho, 
has uh, some stuff about this, and it's um, like the way that you interact with the 3D in terms of somebody who understands consciousness. It's hard because, like, you're not trying to elevate yourself to a certain level, but the understanding is clear. Like, the path to divinity is is a unifying path. It's dropping parts of yourself and becoming more and more part of the whole. The path to hell is a much more fractal path and it's separating, separating yourself over and over. So there's a concept there, but if you know that in your heart, like you can start to interact with people in, in ways, even in the 3d and what you're talking about is free will. And that's interesting, but there are, instances he, I mean, he tells a story about somebody in india who thought that they had a snake in their stomach so he thinks he has a snake in his stomach and he's distressed and he goes to the doctor and the doctor takes pictures and the doctor's like i can't find a snake in your stomach and the guy's like there's a snake in my stomach and so he has all these interactions with the intellectual with the concept of the snake in the stomach and it's driving him nuts because he feels a snake in his stomach. But then he goes to the spiritual master who just interacts with him. And the guy's saying, I have a snake in my stomach and the spiritual master just gives a snake to the guy's wife and says, wait till he falls asleep and put the snake in his bed. And so the guy wakes up and finds a snake in his bed and immediately assumes that's the snake that was inside my stomach. And now he's done with the thought that the snake is in my stomach. So the spiritual master interacts with the thought that's manifested in the 3D in a way that the intellectual doctor cannot. And from that point of view is able to help make that person more whole just a little bit than what he was when he originally got there just a little bit more whole but you don't ever know like on those little increments of more whole you don't and we know this clearly from my experiment or experience you never know when that little bit is enough to just keep the ball rolling all the way so that's all you're doing in the 3D is you're you're just trying to be aware and present and just wait for moments where you can give a little nudge where maybe they can drop that little piece and see if that's enough for them to roll all the way to an awakening. Yeah, I often, the movie scene in The Matrix where they're about to show him and the whole lead up to that is, you know, I can't tell you the truth. I have to show you the truth. I have to show right. you the door. And when it's creeping up his body, like that, I say, I, whenever we talk about this, I see that in my mind's eye, that scene, because it, it really is a timing thing too. And, and uh, intellectual, whatever would never see that timing like that that's where the spider senses come in from a spiritual person because they tank now like they intuitively know there's a tank now go in now hit them now but it's very gentle like it's that there's a moment there but a spiritual person on the path has that intuition for that timing because it's not even really your timing i mean you're just it's just like eckhart totally answering a question it's from within it's like same reason why you know how to turn the car really quick when you're about to get in an accident and you're like how'd i do that i don't know it was just intuition so it's 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 completely different um and that's slow motion too that's slow motion too like like time slows down too like that has nothing to do with time space like it's all into it intuitive at that point and and that's why anyone who ever puts anyone on a pedestal or or gets puffed up because they can do that is absolutely ridiculous because it's 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 just allowing something to come through you at that point it's like i don't think eckhart tolle is intellectually smart but he's he's 
he's a brilliant guy because he allows divinity to flow through him and answer the same question he knows the answer to, but it's the same answer to the question that the questioner knows the answer to. And it's like this perfect little communion thing, two or more are gathered. It's not, I'm up here and you're down here. It just, it, at the end, it turns into oneness. Oh.